Hey, everyone, welcome to the next level. I'm JBL here with my best friends, actually in person with my best friends, Tim Miller and Sarah Longwell of The Bulwark. Hey, friends. I feel like Jack Horner in the back of the van, or in the back of the limo. Corner? We're going, Jack we're going live to videotape. We'll do it live. On the Boogie Nights? We'll no? do it live. Didn't do Boogie Nights? I did uh, Boogie Nights, but I'm not getting yeah, the reference. Yeah, it was when I, they I first tried to go about. live yes, with I, Roller Girl. Uh, with Roller Girl oh. in the limo, mm. yeah. Uh, hey, listen, if you're watching this now on the live stream, you should go and subscribe to the TNL channel, the Next Level channel. It's right, I think it's right there. Maybe it's right there. <laughs> I don't know. It's in one of the boxes. Got a lot to talk about today, and I want to talk about starting with Governor Ron DeSantis, who is going to announce his presidential campaign any minute. And he was in Iowa this weekend, mm. and he did great, except for the laugh. I don't think we have the technological capability to play his laugh, but if I could give you... Uh, Imagine Elaine Bennis dancing. That's basically the laugh as he was like, ha, 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 goes more like, ha, ha. That's like that. pretty good too, yeah. Now, I had been informed by many of our Republican friends that uh, Kamala Harris's bad laugh disqualified her from high office. I think that probably goes away as a imperative for, for presidential candidates no, now. No, no, it doesn't. Tell me what you guys think. There is a DeSantis boomlet beginning. I think, in Iowa. Like, let's pay attention to the state polls. Don't pay attention. Mm. This is a state-by-state race. Those national numbers don't mean nothing. Sarah, are you buying? Actually, Iowa's super important for DeSantis because Trump can lose Iowa and go on from there. DeSantis cannot lose Iowa and go on from there. probably over. And so he has to. And Iowa's a good, should be a goodish state for DeSantis just in terms of demographically and the caucus... But watching him, look, I think it is unfair to judge the quality of his abilities by one viral clip of him laughing like a How about hyena. by two? How about two viral clips? Yeah. If we include the one from Japan, where he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Ask me when I'm running. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the problem is, is he does look like somebody said to him, be likable, be pleasant, be sure to laugh at people's jokes and like, it's yeah. he's over he's overinterpreted it. Remember the original uh, Men in Black when Vincent D'Onofrio tried to act like a human when he was the mm. the, the bug in the human yeah. suit. Yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of that action going on. The thing was is that it, it did do a bit for DeSantis something he needed, which is he got his first good news cycle in quite a long time. He rolled out a bunch of endorsements, and as we know, endorsements translate directly into votes. Mm. Um, kind of like a crazy good news cycle. Yeah. Actually, the New York Times article on it, like you would have thought was the in National Review. Yeah, you would have thought it was in National yeah. Review. Yeah. Well, it was I also, mean, it was like right after they did another one, though, that was like DeSantis limps toward his <laughs> announcement. So It shows you kind of like the limits of yeah. process campaign journalism. But I do think it was interesting. And I think it spoke to an inevitable point that I've been trying to bring up every time we discuss like the DeSantis fall, which is... Like, there are some structural forces that work in his favor that, like, didn't really exist in 2016 that make his situation a little bit different than Ted Cruz's, right? Like, Trump was so new. All the reporters were like, holy shit, like, really? He was winning and he goes up again and he goes up again. And then, you know, the liberal journalists were kind of like, oh, we're going to beat this guy, right? So, you know, they, they kept pumping it. And, and so there, there was just this momentum to Trump in 2016 that nobody could really puncture. This time, Trump leads by 50, gets kind of old, yeah. right? It, it, there's a That's long right. race happening. I think that there, there's going to have to be – someone is going to get pumped up. I, I think that DeSantis, his weakness right now means that he's, he's vulnerable to someone else having done it. Like this is why I think the Tucker thing was kind of interesting. I don't think that's going to happen, right? But it was like there's room for someone else to do it. Like Vivek is, pro- is probably just a little too weird and weak for this. But like someone in the Vivek mold maybe could, could be it. You know, is Vivek any more weird or weak than Herman Cain was? When, like, I mean, Herman he's running Cain... even with the last sitting vice president in right, the United exactly. States at the moment. And, and so. I mean, Herman Cain was like a, a pizza entrepreneur <laughs> when he led the polls in, in the summer of, you know, 2011 or whenever that was, t- summer 2011. So uh, maybe it could be someone else, but it's most likely to be DeSantis. And, and as I've said before, he is the best elevator pitch of anybody else, you know, compared to Trump. And I think he has the largest base of support to work from. Right, which is the one thing that is similar to Cruz. And I think that base that he has to work from of highly active Republican voters, people who legitimately care about 
Republicans winning more than owning the libs, right? Like matches well to caucus states, right? Because okay. like the types of That's people right. that participate are more likely to go. Also, highly religious voters. Uh, and I know there's like a, this, this sense that Trump did really well with them, but that's like not quite true. Like Trump did the best with like evangelicals who like kind of go to church sometimes and are cultural evangelicals. Like they love Trump, but like the really, I do go to church a lot and like care about the lives of other people, Christians. Like we're always iffy on and Trump. And like unlegitimately pro-life. Like yeah, pro-life yeah. matters to them. Yeah, so. maybe they, they eventually came around to him. But in the primary, they were his weaker points. So anyway, Iowa matches nicely for DeSantis in that sense. And so I, I do think that, like, I love David Frum, but the Frums of the world, the people who are, like, putting the dirt on his grave, I think this shows that just there's this, there are structural forces that are going to keep him alive. I thought when you were going to say for structural forces, I thought one of the things you were going to say is, like, Money. the media literally can't live with one storyline, right. right? Well, I guess you did say, like, yeah, it gets yeah. boring. Like, DeSantis will have many comebacks uh, if for no other reason that, like, the media needs this to be a little bit of a fair, like, a fair fight. And then, yeah, and he's got more money than God. I mean, never back down. They're doing a 1,000 points. Like, he hasn't announced yet, and they're doing, like, a ton of spending in Iowa and other places. It's worth noting that it's not a great sign that you've lost 20 points before running. It's true. And maybe a strategic mistake there. That was interesting. J-Mart, um, uh, uh, who I just was with this weekend, who wrote the big Politico column about DeSantis' team and how he's like getting serious people around him and and how the path that they see and the funny part to me about the whole thing is it just it does whiff of Jeb like in the sense of it's not a great sign that you've already lost 20 points and now you're bringing these people in like you want to have people that know you like who have been around I talked about this on Charlie's pod but that DeSantis super back tweet that was like that kind of sounded like a Republican accountability project tweet you know and it's just like it's hard to sing from the same hymn book when you're as weird as DeSantis to start with but then when you bring in all these new people and you're like you're the pros you guys figure this out and so I do think that those guys are probably stabilizing things for him but i think it's going to cause other problems down the line like trump very much knows who he is this goes back to one of your sticks right like trump yeah. very much knows who he is so here's here's my question to you both there was a lot made about how desantis was fighting back has finally taken the gloves off against trump because in the new york times story because trump canceled his event and desantis chose to at the last minute to do another event in des moines near where Trump was going to, Ooh. and where Trump canceled his event because of the warning of severe weather, Ron DeSantis said, it's a beautiful night. <laughs> and so this was taken by political horse race reporters as Ron DeSantis is really taking the gloves, the gloves are off. off. And then he, he made some remark about the, we have to change the culture of losing, culture of losing. We were just sitting at lunch, a little peek behind the curtain, and I was seated next to Bill peek, Crystal. Peek, we have lunch. <laughs> we, we have lunch. And I was sitting next to Bill Crystal, and we were talking about whether or not DeSantis really needs to run at Trump. And my, my view is, I think he does. But Bill said, I don't know. Like, you know, that assumes that voters are logic machines and that they need to be talked out of Trump. And maybe DeSantis just kind of like sits there and waits for the third indictment hits and then, you know, the weight of it goes and maybe people just decide, well, I'm kind of tired. So of Bill this. is pretty impressed with the Bobby Jindal, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz campaigns from the last time. No, Thinks that that's a good model. No, what Bill was making was a another version of Amanda Carpenter. Amanda Carpenter made this point to me a long time ago, and it has shaped my thinking because it was so smart. So I view there as a fundamental contradiction at the heart of DeSantis, which I've said on the show many times before. Right. You cannot say. Donald Trump was the best ever. I will do everything Donald Trump did. Donald Trump was cheated out of the 2020 election. Vote for me. That doesn't work, right? It doesn't, if Donald Trump is standing right there running, that, that doesn't make any sense. But what Amanda said to me a long time ago was, you know, voters don't have to make sense. Like, they can just decide they like it, right? And that doesn't matter where, where the logic chain goes. It doesn't matter that there are fundamental contradictions. Voters can just say, yeah, I really like this guy. So so I agree with Bill that they're not logic machines. I've done a lot of focus groups, not logic machines. You have? That, that is, yeah, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it. Oh, really? Uh, but this is precisely why he has to go at him, which is to say you are, can't build a brand and say, you know, God made a fighter and, you know, put on your bomber jacket, top gov. And then, like, he has to, his vibes have to be like, I'm alpha-ing Trump, right? I'm tougher than him. I'm bigger than him. And he's not. He's getting cucked all the time. And that thing that he did when he gave that speech, he said, we have a culture of losing. Go look this up. I'm going to get it almost verbatim. We lost in 18. 
We lost the Senate in 20. Joe Biden became president. And we lost again in 2022. And I was like, wait a minute. Joe Biden became <laughs> president? What Mistakes were made. Did God make a fighter or did God make a linguistic gymnast who knows how to use the passive voice? I think... Maybe the latter. That, so it isn't logic. He has to like, he has to alpha. He has to, they, they need, needs big energy vibes and he doesn't. He knows he doesn't have to because he's going to get these little news cycles about the subtweets. He can do the subtweets that it's like, does it matter if the New York Times thinks that he is attacking Trump if you can't play that clip on Newsmax as an attack to Trump? Like, like the only way that a, you're going to attack Trump where MAGA voters see it is to actually do it. Right, because they're not reading between the lines the way that like the beat reporter for Politico is. So like for DeSantis, I think he thinks that he can like do this, donors will be happy. You know, it's like, oh see, he's making this point. Like he's he's doing a contrast. This is what donors want. But like the voters aren't really seeing him as go as going after Trump. Meanwhile, I, I love the I didn't I didn't love it because Trump's terrible. But it's humorous that Trump runs an ad, has a paid ad up right now that is like DeSantis is disloyal to me and he's attacking me, right? So it's like DeSantis isn't even attacking him yet. <laughs> Trump is like going and putting fingers wrong and then running an ad that's like, isn't this, this guy's breaking Reagan's 11th commandment over here, right? Like that's just, that's You know a who's tough, not a logic uh, machine or a consistency <laughs> machine? Donald Trump. <laughs> I have one other DeSantis thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, me too. Before we, Ooh, what's yours? I want, I want to go back to, go to Florida. Oh, great. There is, is that a, what you uh, want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a. Uh, uh, let me let me set you up so okay. that you can. Let me. I'm I'm gonna tee it up for you. Let do me, it, sir. Let me put the ball down in the tee for you. Okay, Part of our don't say gay law in Florida was originally mm. K through third grade uh, can't have discussions about all this stuff. There is a teacher down there who had scheduled a the use of the film Strange World, the Disney animation film, which features a gay character. I'll let Tim sum it up because he's seen the movie and I have not. This was for her fifth grade class, and she was going to show it not as like part of a class showing, but to fill time for kids who are already finished with a standardized test that they were taking. So it was going to be like, you know, for the kids who finish early so that they don't become disruptive, they can go over here and watch Strange, Strange World. Then the law was changed to go K through 12 because you would not want... 12th graders exposed to things like gay parents. Um, and now she's being investigated. Timothy. A Moms Against Liberty mom has challenged. Okay. A, a Ruth. So there, there we go. You may address the ball now. It was actually even more than, uh, you know, more appropriate than you're saying because Strange World, like this is a science class and like Strange World is about like discovering the earth and like there's a lot of, you know, themes about agriculture and the way that the life cycle works in this in this movie so it's kind of appropriate to the subject matter of the test the thing that is worth objecting to for people who have not seen strange world there is one gay character it's the son he's i don't think they ever say what age he is but he kind of seems like he's a teenager he's gay he's nervous about animated um he's animated yeah there's another animated gay character that is like a friend of the kid in his class and the, the plot line which is like a tiny plot line that takes up three minutes of the movie is that the the son of the main character is a little too nervous to ask the other guy out on the date. And the dad is supportive of the son and says, he's with you. I'm with you no matter what you do. And I think you should go for it and kind of encouraging him to go for the date. And the son is embarrassed that his dad is so supportive and encouraging. So you wouldn't want this. I mean, it's not It's not like then after that, the next scene is like the kids go to a 69. <laughs> okay. it's, like, it's like there's no animated teen love making happening. Okay. Um, uh, but anyway, now this teacher is under investigation. The interesting thing, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is, I mean, DeSantis is, is a fucking prick, but that, that's kind of besides the point. The reason I want to talk about this is, as you know, as part of my research, and, you know, as part of my outreach, when I was at the TPUSA conference, I met a lot of the gays against groomers. And mm. I've begun following a lot of them on social media just to kind of see what stuff they're putting out. And it's all the typical MAGA stuff you you usually see. And they were supportive of the K to third grade bill. And some of them, when we got into a little, not I wouldn't say an argument, but a little bit of a spirited discussion where I was saying to them, I was like, as an older gay, let me tell you why I think there's some problems here. I have a kindergartner, and like, here's some things that happen in kindergarten. Like, they ask questions about the birds and the bees, and that's normal. Actually, you identified it's not, as old. It's not grooming. I did identify as old. <laughs> that's been I, very I, for you. Yeah, it was. You very came true. out as old. Yeah, and it was it was almost harder than than coming out originally, uh, but it was challenging. And um, and you know, they were like just dis- very dismissive. Like, oh come on, like this is too, you know. And I, and you know, I was like, I don't know 
if you guys realize who you're getting in bed with, so to speak here. I think that these people hate you a lot more than you realize was basically <laughs> my core message to them. One of those young men I, I noticed on Instagram this week did a post about this, about the strange world teacher. And he's like, guys, I think we're going a little bit overboard here. As somebody who is supportive, as someone who is supportive of the don't say gay bill, like I think that, that this is making Republicans seem a little weird and a little bit out there. And um, I just commented on his post. I was like, Maybe the problem was with the bill originally. He is not. He's not yet responded. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on whether we have any. Um, you know, maybe we can have like a little, a little gays against groomers, gays for groomers debate. So Sarah, does any of this register in focus groups when you're talking to the people? That's the one thing I wanted to bring up. Is uh, I do have some fresh focus groups. I was, maybe off gonna, the I was maybe going to read you a couple of While you look but... at this, while you get this, by the yeah. way, I'm just going to just do a quick rant for our viewers out here now that we're doing this live. I get in trouble because I look at my phone when you guys you are do. talking, and people complain about this in the comments all the time. And I love the people. And I just, I just want to let you know, I understand it's a reasonable complaint because it, you might think that I'm looking at Twitter and tweeting because I, I am you known. Are. I you am are. known to tweet during conversations. But no, when I'm looking at my phone during this podcast, it's because I want to get the information right for you, the listener, and I'm oftentimes trying to like find something I've saved in my Slack I'm or watching. some notes that I've taken, yeah. and I keep and because I'm addicted to my phone, I do it all on my phone. I don't use a pen and paper like the YouTube boomers do. So anyway, when I'm on this podcast, if I'm looking at my phone, I'm not I'm not being rude. I'm just trying to get yeah. the facts right. Well, I'm watching now, the I'm chat sure while you look at it. to you guys. And first of all, yes, it is between three ferns on purpose. Yeah. Yes. And no, you're not getting Rudy talk yeah. because we're saving that for when we're in New York City tomorrow night. Ooh. Uh, and we're going long on Rudy tomorrow night. Here's just what the only point I really want to make about DeSantis is back in the day, uh, right after the elections and earlier this year, I talked about this a lot, and any group of two-time Trump voters, no, no additional screen, you just get two-time Trump voters yeah. generic, they were all breaking for DeSantis. Not 100%. You'd get a couple Trump people. But, like, it got to the point where we started having to screen specifically for really high favorability on Trump to get a pretty Trumpy group. That has flipped. So we just did a basic screen, two-time Trump voters, college-educated, and, like, 7-2 seven, seven, Trump. 7-2 Trump. And this has been the case now. Like, groups are breaking for Trump. And it's, like, it's weird because it's their rationalizations are things like, this is what I was looking for, because they were talking about how he's a known quantity. Like, they know him. They don't know DeSantis, and they're not sure if he'd be good. But Trump kept his word. He did what he said. And to me, this speaks not to Trump's assent or anything about Trump that they like. It is the collapse of Ron DeSantis, right? Like, what you were seeing before was a DeSantis-curious audience. And they were, like, kind of like, Ugh, on Trump, like, we need to move on, too much baggage. And then now with DeSantis, it's like, oh, they took a look and they're like, eh, I don't know. And now they're kind of like back like to Trump. And I'm just not sure. So I know that the media is going to need other news cycles. Like how good does DeSantis have to be to start winning these people over? Uh, especially when you've got Trump there defining him the whole time. Like I don't want to count him out. I don't think we need to say he's toast, he's dead. But I am like, I don't know if they say – no, I, I know Trump. I like Trump. And DeSantis, I don't know. I'm not sure he's that good. You overcome it by being extremely politically hey, did talented. You ask the, did you ask the uh, the people in the in the nine why they what it was about DeSantis that was turning them off? Yeah, he doesn't have business experience like Trump. Mm. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what that means, though. That is code for he's a politician. Because yeah. one of DeSantis's big liabilities with people, one of the things people for years now I've heard people say that they love about Trump is he's not a politician. Yeah. And they, they are can being barely wiped his own ass. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. Hell yeah. That's right. And they love that he's a businessman because they all watch The Apprentice and they think that's what a businessman yeah. does. Yeah, how to sell pardons for $2 million. That's right. It's a 50-50 split. It's, uh, I will say there is another piece of this, which is that there's an off-ramp for people who don't want to be anti-DeSantis. And the, the off-ramp for them is, well, I could just vote for him in four years. Yeah. Right? You know, They should join in a ticket. They, he's doing such a great job doing, in Florida. He's doing a great job in Florida. We want to move it, only we want to, move it to K-16. Dude, you on the guys, the number of people who say DeSantis should be the vice president, like yeah. it's like they have no sense of these two men hate each other <laughs> now. Like these are not things that are coming. But they think like, no, it'd be, you get, they, and they're like, they think they have the best idea because you get 12 years. Yeah. You get four more of Trump, eight of DeSantis, Republican rule from here as far as the eye can see. Yeah. And they're yeah. very excited about this idea. Mm. It's going to be great. 
Were they excited about the Durham report? No. No, because the Durham, the Durham report has dropped. I thought we were going to get Hunter Biden all locked up, and then it turns out that, like, everything's fine. It's nothing burger. Who could possibly have predicted? I only have one thing to say about the Durham report, okay. which is, I tweeted this this morning, but it we spent a lot of time sort of assessing the fall of the Republican Party by all the weirdos and the Gosars and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Boebert. Uh, and I actually think a better measurement for how far the Republican Party has fallen and its just overall degradation is like, like how bad the normies are. Like Dan yes. Crenshaw's response to the Durham report was like, if we don't have rules. I just pulled to- it up. See, I'm rules- looking at my phone for you people. Yeah. I'm going to read it to you Thank so you, you can have it. I've never been a reactive lock em up type, but, <laughs> but. Uh, this Durham report is a lock em up moment. We should be looking for statutes that apply to these egregious violations of public trust. If they don't exist, it's time we create them. Yeah. You know what? There Ooh. ought to be a law. There ought to be a law. Total exoneration. And there ought to be a law. Oh, it's Did, not turn, total exoneration. Not, oh, my friend, my friend Fred Wellman, our friend Fred Wellman, had a great response to this. It was like, Fred Durham was appointed to do exactly what you described. <laughs> Just look for statutes that apply to these violations. He didn't find any crimes. And he's like, P.S., they already changed the policies that he recommended, you know, related to the uh, FISA and the Carter Page and stuff. But you don't care about that because it won't get you on Fox. I bet Fred covered that pretty good. Mm-hmm. The Crenshaw thing is like, that's really the story of all this. They that's they right. didn't miss a beat. The Brett Bears, Guy Benson. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling this up. It was like the, the tweets that these people were sending. Guy Benson, much of the media is fully invested in the collusion hoax in which they were enthusiastically complicit. This sort of Durbin coverage was inevitable, which people saying it's it's no big deal, as corrupt as everything was. I was like, what are you talking? Crenshaw had another tweet that was like, the Durham report shows that the investigation, Crossfire Hurricane, should have never started. I was like, were these people awake in 2016? Like, sometimes I feel like, like were they in a coma? I mean, like, the, the Russians hacked into Hillary Clinton's emails. Donald Trump rooted for it. His son asked them to have a meeting where he could discuss their foul play. His campaign manager was on the take from a Russian oligarch. It's like, that wasn't enough? That wasn't uh, enough to open? I mean, I'm not a fucking lawyer, but that seems like enough to at least open an investigation. Like, now they're saying that it was corrupt to have even opened an investigation. The most normal people on Fox. That's their position. Yeah. Tommy Tuberville who is also one of the most normal people on Fox. A United States senator, one of only 100 Americans. We have 330 million people in America. Only 100 of them get to be senator. Tommy Tuberville is one of them. He said, I can't even talk about it, it's so bad. If people don't go to jail for this, the American people should just stand up and say, quote, listen, enough's enough. Let's don't have elections anymore. Does he suggest an alternative? Uh, what do we do instead? I, I you know, I, think, I wish I there was a Donald an Trump special investigation is. into the voter fraud, but it was outrageous what happened. But nobody wanted to look into it because they were afraid they were going to be called out. I hate that it happened. Okay, but Tommy this Tuberville is, is an idiot. Is this, it's an important. He's topic. a United States senator. Yeah, okay. This isn't like some. Ra- this isn't Catter. <laughs> He's not like we're not. Ch- it we're is Catter though. Catter has a, gr- a tremendous amount of power. <laughs> The point is, we are not nutpicking some random, like, this is, the the whole both sides-ism thing rests on, I have found some, you know, tiny progressive Twitter personality who says the most outrageous things, and yes, the Republicans attempted an armed coup, but both sides, they're the same. I'm a principal both sides. These are both terrible things. Tommy Tuberville wants fascism. That's a problem. Okay. That's a discreet problem. But me and Sarah are talking about another issue, which is like that even the people that we're supposed to like rely on as being logic-based. That's right. You know, those that we could disagree with in good faith. Even those people, in the face of all the evidence, which is independent juries all over the country have indicted and convicted multiple Trump associates for their activities related to the Russia investigation. Durham got no such convictions. Multiple juries rejected his efforts, and yet even logical people are like, all this shows is that more people need to be locked up and that this was a hoax? What? And not the Tommy Tuberville's. Like, the ones that we are, yeah, this this is my point, is that, like, that is a manifestation of the party mm-hmm. and the direction it's going. But the people that the the Capitol Hill reporters go to to be like, this is a normal Republican. I can talk to this person. They'll give me like a sane answer. 
have also gone insane on this we, stuff. We saw this with the the E. Jean Carroll verdict, right? Where Marco Rubio said the jury was a joke. Like these aren't one-offs. Did you say one of the jurors was a Tim Pool listener? I love this. Everybody has all these projections <laughs> in their head. Do you know Tim Pool? Tim Pool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For people who don't know, he's like, he was this left, he's like a Glenn Greenwald is a shorthand. He's like a lefty that went total MAGA. And the E. Jean Carroll, Robbie Kaplan, uh, they tried to throw him out because like when they when they ask like jurors, what's your news consumption? And this guy was like, my only news consumption is Tim Pool. Like, well, this guy can't be unbiased. But the judge said, no, you got to keep him in. So they were really worried about this one juror. The guy that the only incoming information he gets from the news is from a MAGA YouTuber. He was like, yeah, Donald Trump seems guilty on this one, right? <laughs> and, and then Marco is like unfair, lib, progressive, pussy hat jury. It's like, what? Sorry, I'm sorry. Do I no. get credit for not doing the voice, Sarah? I, I'm not going to give you credit every time you don't do the voice. I, well, if you don't, then uh, I'm going to start doing it again. Okay. I, well, you, I, I mean, I don't like it. But I, 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 you I take... did Tommy Duberville in normal standard English <laughs> instead of how he really sounds. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to read you. I feel like my the guy has he's watching the live stream and he sent me a text of the the quote I really wanted on okay. the Ron DeSantis thing. <laughs> Great. He's this person was talking about the Ron DeSantis donors. They were huge Democrats because they're trying to get him to be the candidate so that Trump doesn't run. So they would rather have DeSantis run thinking that he's not gonna win. So <laughs> I'll explain. This two-time Trump voter is saying that lib donors are trying to prop up Ron DeSantis so that DeSantis is the nominee, the nominee of the Uniparty lib establishment because they're scared of Donald Trump, which by the way, yeah. the through line of everything that happens to Donald Trump from the E. Jean Carroll verdict to every indictment uh, that has happened and will happen is all because we are afraid of Donald Trump because yeah. we're the most scared of him. He does smell Uniparty, DeSantis, yeah. which is hurting, it's just gonna hurt him in the primary. I worry a little bit that if he does manage to come back and it comes through, it helps him in the general. Because like there's a, there's a category of people out there, like particularly like guys who just like are like I'm so fucking sick of politics, Donald Trump, all this shit, all this stuff, and they're like I'm just gonna listen to sports podcasts now. And they used to be Republicans, but you know now they don't. Right, like the people that that voted for Katie Hobbs um, and Joe Biden and Georgia, very important people in our electorate, and they're like Ron DeSantis seems fine. For the same reason that the primary voters are like, Ron DeSantis seems like a neocon, you know, uniparty libcock, right? Yeah. Just because, like, no matter how hard he works to do, like, the MAGA drag, like, he just smells Normal. like a like a Republican from the Bush years. Yeah. I don't think he's going to, if he's the nominee, I don't think he's going to campaign as a normie. But he's going to campaign as a full-spectrum MAGA. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, I, yeah, who knows? Talk about some Democrats. We had some mayoral elections last night uh, from my my ex-wife city, Philadelphia. Now that I am a New Yorker, your ex-wife's city? No, my ex-wife city. This is oh my, your ex-wife. Yeah, Philadelphia city. is my like, ex-wife. <laughs> I still don't understand. I was like, I was like Crowder. What's happening here? Philadelphia um, used to be my city. Shannon, are you okay? <laughs> Could you talk I, to me and make sure everything's okay? Then I I left it for for a more beautiful gal, the Big Apple. Um, what are you talking about? You lived in Virginia and you moved to New Jersey. Okay. I used to be a Philly guy. Now I'm a New York guy. Let's yeah. move on. Okay. Uh, so Philly had a mayoral primary, a, a Democratic primary in which uh, Cheryl Parker was victorious. She is the normie Democrat who is running on law and order and public safety and all sorts of just like centrist Democrat stuff. She whooped on the AOC and Bernie Sanders endorsed candidate. I don't know. It just feels like this is what we're seeing from the Democratic Party over the last. Like, everyone is like, "Why aren't the Democrats being more moderate?" And I'm like, "I don't know." They nominated Joe Biden. They got rid of the the bad DA in San Francisco. The Democrats seem to be trying to address the things that some people say are liabilities for them in a meaningful way. No. Well, they lost to Chicago. Am I crazy? The, the Prague won in Chicago. That was interesting. I saw there was a, um, a Republican consultant tweeted after the Philly result that was basically like, look, for conservatives who believe in law and order, like it might be time to just get on board with like the more conservative black candidate in these cities so that we can, you know, get the law and order policies that we like. And I, I just didn't want to get into a fight with this person on Twitter. So I'm doing it now in the podcast. Like I almost replied and I was just like, actually, do not do that. <laughs> because the only city, if you look at New York, if you look at San Francisco, Philly, Chicago, out of all these big cities, the only one where the progressive has won recently was Chicago, 
where the guy, Vallis, Paul Vallis, like was coded just a little too Republican. Like he went to a couple too many Republican club events. Sarah thought he was Republican on this podcast, I think. It's like that was his vibe. Like even though he was a Democrat, like he had kind of gotten too far in with that group. And the folks in these cities don't want that. Like they, they have rendered a verdict on the MAGA Republican Party, and it is no. They are eh, kind of vacillating back and forth between the law and order Democrats and the progressive Democrats as, as, as we look in these elections. And they're different things in different ones. I, I, I paid attention to the Philly race a little less closely than I did the Colorado Springs race, which I want to talk about. But do you, did you have something on Philly? The only thing is that I think it's one thing to get coded Republican when you – sort of run against the left in a certain way and you cozy up to Republicans, yeah, right. right? Which is, I think, what happened in Chicago. I think in Philly, she just ran right. as a normie. Right, and so like, that works, right. And that works. And so that's if, like, Republicans vote for you in that case, that's not harmful. Right. And so yeah. I, I think that, I, I don't agree. It's the Joe Biden message. Like, yeah, this is like, just- I, I think that that is, I think that's exactly the right way to, to run and to win. And the margins, I thought, were pretty, like, that's good. That's decisive. Yeah. So we had ja- good news in Jacksonville as well, down in DeSantis land, uh, another normie Democrat winning that that primary. And then Colorado Springs. Yeah, they, Colorado- I can't believe you were able to tear yourself away from the Nuggets. I was. To, I was. Uh, big, win last, last big win last night for the Nuggets. 1-0. Uh, Nikola Jokic is God and his king. Show your respect, please. The, uh, and after the Club Q shooting in Colorado Springs, for people who don't remember, I just think this is a, the context here is really important. Even backing up further, Colorado Springs were focused on the families. It's where the Air Force Academy is, mm-hmm. right? So it's in Colorado, but like this is was the most conservative part of the state. And that congressional district around Colorado Springs, like the guy wins by 20, 30 points. It's not a competitive seat. And so traditionally, like that's just where the city's been. The city started to move, has started to move slowly more blue, just as the way all of Colorado is. Jared Polis actually won it, but uh, it's, it's still as a Republican congressman. But the Club Q shooting, if you, if you don't remember, like, Colorado passed these red flag laws, right? But in Colorado Springs, the city council and the police chief and the mayor were like, we're not going to enforce the, like, we're not going to, you know, respond to red flag requests. And the shooter that killed the people in that gay bar, like, was a prime candidate for red flag law. Like, every every possible flag that you could think of was flying when it comes to this person. And people had gone to the police and said they were worried about him. I forget if it was family members or a neighbor. My memory's a little fuzzy on that. And so, you know, I wrote after the Club Q thing, I was like, this is somewhere where there is an actual policy response that the city should be doing and that reasonable, normal people should be pushing out these like far right zealots in favor of either like a Republican who, who supports reasonable gun laws or a Democrat or an independent Democrat. I thought was a little bit of a stretch. And, and I, that's, I closed my article by saying, God willing, the people of Colorado Springs will see this reality and replace these zealots. They did that last night with a guy whose name I'm going to butcher, um, but is an African immigrant who ran as an independent who ran as like a classic bulwark person, like socially liberal, you know, we should, we need to re- respect people of all, all cultures. Obviously he's a black immigrant, like uh, obviously moderate on, you know, immigration policies and sanctuary and that sort of thing, gay stuff, abortion, but was like business friendly. I'm an independent. I'm not a Democrat. I'm like, that's how he, that's how he branded himself. He crushed this MAGA guy in Colorado Springs. And the Dems night. stood down crushed in that him. race. The Dems did stand down in that race. Which is a good strategy. Which is the model. Yeah. I mean, this really is like, I mean, Evan McMullen obviously wasn't able to win in, in Utah. Um, that was like a, a big lift from the start. But this idea of the Dem standing down and running as sort of a, that's the only, no third party stuff. Like, you can run as a third party, but you need the other party yeah. bit. And, and, they, and good on the Dems for recognizing that they weren't going to get anywhere there. Yeah, that is true, though. This also just for a fact check purposes, it was a runoff. But like there was not yeah. like really a, a credible Then It was like two Republicans and him were the main candidates and yeah. a bunch of gadflies. And so he, he wins. But going back maybe to say your point is more right about, about how a normal Republican should deal with these cities. You know, I talked to the guy that was polling this race and he was like, we won all the Democrats, obviously, overwhelming win with independents, but we're winning like a third of the Republicans. And that is what connects that race with the Jacksonville mayor's race. Now, Jacksonville is not Colorado Springs. It's more of a swing city, but it was, I think, the biggest or the second biggest city in America that had a Republican governor. I think it was the biggest, actually. Fort Worth was the second, now is the biggest. And, and that's a swing district. Again, if you looked at the numbers last night, there were more Republicans that turned out in the Jacksonville race than Democrats. So it was not a turnout. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, it's an off-year story. Mayor's, it's a turnoff story. It was not a turnout story in Jacksonville 
or Colorado Springs. It was a crossover story where people were like, the MAGAs are freaks. And I, I think that's, that's like encouraging on both, on both counts. I mean, I Can don't you know. be encouraged, JVL? It looks, it looks I, I like, like, like we have one sometimes. healthy political party, right? I mean, I'm, people get mad at me for saying that, but it does look like we have, you know, like the Democrats aren't the answer to everything, but they seem to be trying to self-correct as a party. Their voters seem, you know, the median Democratic voter seems more normal than the median Republican voter, right? I'm not I mean, willing to that, extrapolate no. it out as far as you. Um, and, you know, I think that, <laughs> like, I just, I, there are, play, like, there are a bunch of cities that are in really rough shape and their Democratic leadership should, they should take these as examples because I think that, I'm not sure there's, like, as much self Correcting. Those were like a couple good elections, but there's a lot of self-correction that needs to happen in the governance yeah. of a lot of America's major cities. We'll get to Rudy's Viagra way. tomorrow. Well, but here's the thing. There is no Rudy, right? It is insane. Given that everybody's like, oh, every, oh, the American cities have turned into third world countries and crime is rampant and everywhere. It is insane that Fort Worth is the biggest city in America with a Republican mayor. It's like the 19th or 20th biggest city in America with a Republican mayor. And then you go down from there and, and it's it's another 10 before you get to the next biggest city. Like no cities in America have Republican mayors, including big sprawling cities, including red, big red state cities. And it's like that they're, I think it speaks to both of your points. Like on your side, it speaks to how broken the Republican party is that they can't even develop. Actually, I know who the, the 30th one is my friend, David Holt, who barely counts as a Republican. Sorry, David, he might be listening. He's like a bulwark Republican who runs Oklahoma city. And he's the next biggest one, but like that, they can't create David Holt. Contributor, that they, they Holt, I believe he's. Oh yeah, he's written yeah. for us. Yeah, but they they can't they, they can't create David Holtz in any of these cities because their own voters are so fucking insane. In the primaries, which is which is because there is a model for this, and it's Republican governors. The most popular Republican governors of the last for many years are like Larry Hogan and Baker up in Massachusetts, and like Phil Scott, a, Phil Scott, Phil and Scott. like. These normie Republican governors who are socially moderate. But they can't win primaries anymore. No, I know. Right? I mean, look, if Larry Hogan, could Larry Hogan win a Republican primary in Maryland right now? I don't think he thinks he could win a Republican primary. Although, I I don't mean, I wonder if he ran for Senate. I don't know. Could he win that primary? I don't know. It's also that of people who are self-selecting. It's also people who are self-selecting, right? right? It's like the type of, I don't don't know, I don't want to ascribe what this, the independent in Colorado Springs would have done, but it's like, there's certain types of people that like David, like if David Holt, who is governor, who is mayor, excuse me, way before Trump came around, he's been mayor forever down there. If somebody like him came up now, like he probably isn't running for mayor as a Republican because you don't want the baggage of right. the of the right. of the party. So like some of it's the primary, some of it's the self-selecting. But it is like it, it's it's pretty noteworthy that like you got to get to Fort Worth and then one very barely rhino, and those that's it for your top thirty. You know, again, I am sorry for saying out loud the truth that the Democratic Party is healthier than the Republican Party. I know that makes some people very angry. Uh, healthier. But, uh, but Healthier for sure. So the Democratic Party, you know, has, because they're not perfect, they have problems. Uh, they seem to be attempting to self-correct these problems in some important ways. Maybe not perfectly. Maybe they haven't come down on pronouns hard enough. I, you know, I, I'm sure they really need to get on that pronoun stuff. You know something you need to get off your chest, maybe? <sighs> I'm just saying, and the Republican version of reform is Ron DeSantis. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the Republican version of, yes, we've gone too far and we need to course correct, is Ron DeSantis. And so th- I just don't think you can both sides this. The fact that DeSantis is like the normie alternative goes back to the point I was trying to make earlier about the degradation of the normies. Like the normies yeah. are daily wire listeners. Right. And like they're not Newsmax. They're daily wire, which right. means... They're Candace Owens, Matt Walsh, right. and Ben Which means that they think that trans people should be exterminated. Right. <laughs> right. Or, but other than that, they're pretty normal. All right. I'm going to take a couple questions. Sarah, here's one for you. For the people mm-hmm. you, you do focus groups with, what are their main sources of information? So when you ask them about their media diets, where are they getting their stuff? So overwhelmingly, number one place is nowhere. Did I say this uh, recently? About E. Jean Carroll, did I make this observation on one of our podcasts that when we asked heard about E. Jean Carroll, only one person in the focus group oh, even yeah, heard did about it? Yeah. And I think more often than not, it's not that I hear people say things that are, you know, that they have like alarming or bad information. They just have like no information about stuff. They like don't know things are going on. So the number one is nowhere. Number two is scrolling on their phone. Now, and here's where it's really important and why we are getting more segregated. As we get more segregated geographically, it means the people that they know on social media 
are the people that they know that are close to them, which means that the news sources that they see when they scroll are from the people who are the ones who are sharers so of news. So usually it's probably right? going to be like Reuters. No. <laughs> so they get uh, so they get all Agence kinds of France <laughs> press. I mean the number no. of times people in a photo show will be like, "Well, I saw a thing, I'm not sure where, but it said and it's like something wild." Kitty you know litter, like whatever. Right? <laughs> these these yeah. kids in schools yeah. are using kitty litter boxes yeah. in their bathrooms. It was like it was my buddy at the tailgate one time as was my always uh, my anecdote for it was like is it true that Obama lowered the flag to half mast when one of the terrorists was killed? And I was like, Obama killed, killed the, the terrorist? terrorist. I was like, no, that's not true. And like someone else overhearing was like, really? That's not true? I'd heard that one too. And I was just like, where do you guys get this stuff from? Yeah. And it's like, so social media has become, that's what people talk about disinformation. And it's like, there's there's actual like disinformation. And then there's just like, the wrongness of the people around you <laughs> in your social media feeds that's like amped up by the fact that they're sharing Breitbart, Fox, okay. whatever. I will also just say one of my favorite things to talk about right now is the distinction that people make when you ask them who they listen to. And some people say Tucker and some people say Fox News. And those are different kinds of people. So we've got nowhere in their feeds, Tucker, Fox. What's next? Candace the, Owens podcast? Uh, you get a lot of Candace Owens people. A lot of Daily Wire people. The cop with the college. I wonder if she should run for president. I'm telling you, I told, I've said this before <laughs> that of the people that come up, she comes up quite often as a potential person to run. Right, I, I started I adding bet. Candace's podcast to my conservative research regimen. I've listened to it a couple times recently. It's kind of fascinating. It's we should maybe we should maybe take some cues from her. She does like like 20 minutes of reactionary politics followed by like cereal tasting. It's like a morning show. It's like a morning radio show, you know, it's like got cereal. like, you know, it's just got like, or like advice for moms about, you know, what kind of baby Bjorns to carry. Does she have kids? Uh, isn't, doesn't she have, isn't she pregnant? I don't or know. Or like advice for women? Yeah, she has a oh, kid, Oh, she has right? a kid, yeah. says our producer yeah, yeah. with yeah. his hand. Um, well, I, you know what, I, anyway, I'm not saying that she would be polling above Nikki Haley right now, she but I, be, oh I bet you anything she'd be tripling her up. Poll, she would be pulling above Nikki Haley right now. Uh, here's a good fantasy politics question. Where would America be today? If the Republicans had voted to impeach after the Mueller report and Mike Pence had served out Trump's term, I mean, I think we'd all be in a happy place, right? We would feel like uh, we were in a world that basically made sense and that the Republican Party was basically a healthy political party that maybe had policy preferences that we didn't share uh, or maybe did share. But, but you know, like we can turn the alarm no. bells off. and no. no, I don't think so. I also don't think so, but to do so, to talk about why it makes me walk into a trap that JBL likes. No, why? So what do you, you say? Okay, no, Sarah, please tell me why. Um, I think that there would be um, I, there would have been a massive revolt yeah. on the right, right? And yeah. so somebody would have had to emerge to placate the people that revolted. I think that the second impeachment is a better example for this question, right? Because I think they they had a very clear alternative in DeSantis. So the party could have just moved to DeSantis, and I think there would have been a splinter group of MAGAs who would have been really pissed, and it might have been a big enough group to to prevent DeSantis from winning. Actually, like it might, there would probably be like a Jill Stein on steroids kind of MAGA candidate that would have emerged, um, but it probably would have got us to a healthier. I think we might have been able to get to a healthier place because I think after this, there was enough people after the six that would have been ready to galvanized around something else after the Mueller thing I just think the, the collusion hoax as we learned is so baked in that fucking Brett Baer's panel even thinks yeah. that it's a collusion hoax that that for them to have thrown Trump overboard on that would have caused a massive result all right Sarah what do you think <laughs> uh I also I, I like taking the second impeachment as a better mm -hmm. example uh but no I mean the the voters it just goes back to even them wanting DeSantis DeSantis is Trump light like they don't want Nikki Haley they don't want Mike Pence um, I do think if we'd had Mike Pence, I mean, I think it's tough to know with a counterfactual like that. I do think they would have revolted. I think it would mostly have been bad for Mike Pence. Can you imagine trying to govern that faction? And I'm not sure. Maybe an assassination. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but I I did say the other day, like, because I actually wanted to talk about Mike Pence because I think he's going to run. Oh, yeah. And I've been saying for a while I did not think he was going to run because there's no way they're not doing their own audience research and focus groups. And if he is... He's hearing the exact same thing I am, which is that everyone hates him. There is a way that they're not right. doing that. Stop well, everything. We're spending the rest of the show talking about Mike Pence 2024. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fascinated. Let's talk. I just, I, nobody hates this guy more than voters. Like, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say, like, he's in the sour spot with voters. Half of them think he was um, a traitor to Donald Trump and want him, like, killed. 
Uh, and the other half think- well, maybe only a third one of killed. Yeah, that's true. But like the rest of them think, nice guy, but his political career's over. He's boring. I'm not interested. Like Mike Pence doesn't realize that Mike Pence created the permission structure to no longer need Mike Pence. Because he said, hey, evangelicals, hey, Republican voters, you don't need somebody who's moral or ethical. Vote for the biggest son of a bitch in the room. And that's just fine. And I approve of it. And everybody who had had some barrier to voting for that terrible moral person got rid of that. And that's broken. Like, you've crossed the moral Rubicon and it's over now. And he has rendered the need for his moral whatever. It's over. They're not doing audience research because audience research is really expensive. And so, and he they, doesn't have any money. And, and he doesn't have any money. And he <laughs> thinks he knows. He thinks he knows. He's like, I know it's not that good. I don't, you know, out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to see it. There are two things that are happening to him. One thing, and I'll give you two anecdotes. One is the Carl Rove anecdote from when I was on that panel with Carl Rove. And he, I said this. I, I basically was like, it's, he suggested Mike Pence could run. And I was like, this is insane. I was like, do you talk to any Republican voters? I was like, we have, Sarah does these great focus groups. You should listen to one, Carl. <laughs> and Carl's like, I don't know. I just took Mike Pence to an event in Texas. And uh, he received a standing ovation. And I was like, oh, what? Was it the Elks Lodge? <laughs> I don't know. It's like the, was it the VFW post? I think it was the Harlan Crows. I don't know if it was literally a Harlan Crows monster event, but Harlan types were in the room. You know, yeah. it was like big. Oh, donors. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, it was a donor oh, event. Oh, big millionaires really liked him and gave a standing ovation. So, so Pence goes there and gets a standing ovation. He's like, well, I, could, I think I could raise some money. All these rich people like me. And then you go to events at, at religious things and at county, at Republican volunteer events in Iowa and conservative parts of the country where there are evangelicals and the people in that second group that you said who say he's a nice guy come up to him they're like oh I really you're such a nice guy you're such a good role model they tell him these positive things reminds me of when you know the Huntsman campaign when we started convincing ourselves that we were making a comeback in New Hampshire because we hung out in New Hampshire all the time and so people started to recognize them all the ads were in New Hampshire all the things so you start to feel this momentum you're like oh I was at Strange Brew and people and three people came up to me and said hey I'm with you and like what you didn't know is that two of them were Democrats and they were actually going to vote for you know whoever was in the Democratic primary at that, that time and one of them said they're with them but I don't know they're still deciding between him and Romney you know what I mean like there's confirmation bias that happens and so I, I think I, I think that's what's happening to him. Let me just read you one of the quotes Please. from one of my focus groups. He's only going to get the vote from his family, and I'm not even sure if they like him. <laughs> like, brutal. They're brutal to him. Greg? You think Greg is going to vote for him? I don't even know about that. Mother will vote for him. I don't know if Greg... Greg Pence seems like a Trump, <laughs> Trump man to me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's uh, you know, moments like this, epochs like this need tragedies. And the Mike Pence thing is a tragedy in the classical Greek sense. I mean, in in the all of the senses, right? You know, he he prostituted himself for this thing because he thought he was serving a higher purpose. And then he actually did stand up at the very last minute when he was the only one who could. But then he gets no credit for it. It's just it's actually more biblical than that. He thought he was serving a higher purpose, but really yeah. he was serving the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, no. It it is very biblical. All right. Last one. No labels. Do do the. The people. The people. Right there. That's how I do the Bane voice. That's the secret. Um, do they ever bring up no labels? Do they? Do you guys ever ask them about no labels? Or like, do we need a third party? What do they think uh, about third parties? There are some people who like Rand Paul as a third party. <laughs> uh, let me just tell Ooh. you, third part, these no label folks, the appetite out there for the Mansion Hogan ticket. Oh, is there not a lot of appetite for that? No, there's a little bit. It's from center left voters. <laughs> Who are, who are like kind of conservative Democrats. I don't know what- I think Joe I, Biden's a little too old and they voted for him yeah. and they're like business guys. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, we could we should use something in the middle. That's right. Trump's floor and his ceiling are like really close to each other. Mm-hmm. And like, he's gonna get 44% of the Republican vote. Joe Biden might get 38% of the Democratic vote. You are going to reelect Donald Trump. There is no two ways about it. Everybody who's listening, go tell no labels. This is not the time to for the play their fantasy politics with this. Unless they're recruiting The Rock. Yeah. Or somebody that has no, uh, you know, or unless they're recruiting, like, who is the dirty jobs guy? Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Unless they're recruiting Oh, your him. friend Mike Rowe. My buddy Mike Rowe. I don't know. That, really good guy. Yeah, they're, you know, they're he doesn't all, really do politics. Here's the other thing is just, like, Nancy Jacobson and Mark Penn are grifters and they're bad people. And that's just the reality. There might be good people. I'm sure there are. I know there are good people who are associated with no labels. 
They are not. I'm not going to go so far as to impugn anybody's like whatever. I will, I will do it. That's fine. I will just say. You guys talk for a minute. Do not do. Do not support this idea. Tell them loudly it's a bad idea. Talk them out of it. Don't get sucked into this. It is. It is fake. Yeah. But Mark Penn is the inventor of the birther attack on Barack Obama. Not Donald Trump, actually. Mark Penn, and he's working for Hillary. Everybody rejected it. And um, it's just not, uh, it's not a good gang over there. They, they have some folks involved who I think are well-intentioned. But the Biden weakness is, like, is part of this. So I, have I said this before? It stopped me if I have. But I watched their launch ad. And their launch ad is like, this is an insurance policy in the event of, you know, extreme candidates. And while they're talking about it, they show Donald Trump. And then they show AOC, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders, none of whom are going to be the Democratic nominee for president. And to me, that level of dishonesty is the delusion, right? Like, if they have to fake you out and make you pretend like Joe Biden is not the incumbent, they're not honest brokers and their strategy is not honest. What were you looking up there, JVL? Oh, I, somebody popped into, uh, I don't want to amplify misinformation, but somebody in the chat asked, is this thing true? And as far as I can tell that from my 30 seconds of, of, of looking around, it does not seem to be true. Uh, so I don't okay. want to amplify. But if it had been true, we would have done this show for another half hour. Okay. Oh, um, well. All right. You can watch. You can use that half hour watching Nicole Jokic highlights. That's uh, that, that sounds I think good. that everybody would really get a lot of value good out Good show, of. long show. Can I say that yeah, now? Yeah, but hold kind on. Kind of long. Okay. Kind of long. Great. We, come to New York. Already, there's still time to buy tickets. We have almost 500 people tickets. coming. Uh, but there's still, it's a big venue, yes. so. I'm missing the first quarter of the Nuggets game for you people. That's amazing. Are you going to, like, do the live event? I'm going to do, like, do the live event. I'm going to be there. I'm going to hang out afterwards. Yeah. Uh, during the hangout time, I'll probably be looking at my phone a little bit. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, then I'm going to find a local sports pub. Come over to my house. Yeah, it'll take, you, it'll take you, like, 45 minutes yeah, to get the there because it's not I, I'm York. a little worried I might yeah. miss, I might miss some of the action while in transit, uh, but it's a good idea. If you're new here, go over and subscribe to the Next Level feed. Also, go to thebulwark.com and sign up. We give up, basically, it's the, the dumbest business model you've ever seen. We make all this great stuff, we don't do ads, and then we give it away for free. So Charlie sign Sykes- Sign up for the free list. <laughs> Charlie Sykes writes a fantastic newsletter that sets the table every morning. You can get it at thebulwark.com. Next Sunday, as our guest, we're going to have Molly Jong Fast on the Sunday Next Level show. Go and subscribe to the Next Level show. Give us a thumbs up. I think the Google algorithm likes all those things. Hit subscribe. Subscribe to us. Give us the likes. Leave comments. Anything else from you guys before we sign off here? And if you like watching the live stream, I guess tell us. We're interested in more YouTube content. Live stream feedback. How did we do? What would you like more of? Yeah. It's weird to be in person. It is a little weird. It's like the eye contact. It's weird to, to have an audience. It's, it's less about you guys, but it's weird about to have the audience. Like yeah. I don't, I don't like the immediate feedback about whether or not there's laughter. Like to me, all my jokes are funny because yeah. I'm alone and so I'm laughing in my head. Sure. And now it's like I make a joke and these two don't laugh, and that kind of that that messes with me a little bit. Yep. They've been texting me the whole time, which has been I like they they. So you know we're working out the kinks, but yeah. I thought it was pretty good for a first one. Me all too. right. <laughs>